Father, we thank you for um, bringing us here together today. We thank you that we are a body. And we pray, Lord, that you'd continue to open our eyes and our hearts to more of what you want to say in this realm today here in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been talking for the last two weeks and are going to finish up today this series on God Wants a Body and God Wants Oneness. They really go hand in hand. God wants a body and God wants oneness. And so we're going to do a little bit of review here. One of the things about we looked at last week was if this were, for instance, the realm of God, we know that we have God the Father in here. I'm not going to use different pens in order to save time today. We have Jesus in here. Of course, Holy Spirit is in here. Um, um, Hannah's in here. She was in here last week. She can be in here again today. Today, Kellen can be in here. <laughs> and we know Rick can be in here. And, and Lori and Jerry are in here. And, and we had the Angelo and Angela plus one in here last week. <laughs> the point is, is that in the realm of God, there is oneness. We're, Jesus is in God. God is in Jesus. We are in Jesus. But that doesn't just, it does mean we collectively. But then we got to think about what we collectively means. It means Linda's in Jesus and Bob's in Jesus and Karen's in Jesus and Diane and Doug and Nina and Vi. We're all in Jesus, which makes it kind of hard to tell us apart. And the reason why it's hard to tell us apart is because we're one. We're not only one in Christ, we're one in each other in the realm of the Spirit. Hard to understand because right now you look like you're over there, Rick, and I'm over here. And, and Kathy, you're way over there, and, and I'm over here. We don't look like we're one. We don't even look alike. Well, maybe we have dark hair. I don't know. But we have glasses. But we don't look alike. We, we have a head. We have arms. But we don't look alike. We don't act alike. And so it's hard to envision that in the spirit, however, we are already, it's not yet to happen. It already exists that we are one. We are all one in Christ, and thus we are all one in each other. And so there's a way of living that out in the earth. Um, and because it is a difference in how we live that out in the earth. And of course, the, the main way we live that out, the scripture gives us two illustrations. This, is, this guy's got a really long torso. Okay, is the body of Christ. Okay, that's, it may not look like the body of Christ, but we're going to say this is the body of Christ. And According to scripture, the body of Christ in the earth all has different functions. One spirit, the spirit of Christ, the spirit of God, empowers each one of us, but differently. And thus we do look different. We do act differently. We do have different gifts. We do have different empowerments, all as the spirit wills, all as God has created us. Um, and, and, and I didn't mention this last week, but let me be sure to mention this body of Christ is not just the people in this room, nor is it just the body of Christ in the earth currently. So this makes it even more difficult. It's the body of Christ from the time Christ rose from the dead until the time, till there is no more time. So the body of Christ in all of its fullness isn't even expressed in just those of us in this room. However, we have enough power of Christ in this room, as Stephanie pointed out the vision that she had. As we go forward in unity, things happen. The scripture's clear where two or three are gathered in his name. There he is in the midst. And that is clearly a different manifestation of just being single and alone. There's a great importance in usness. Not just meanness, me-ness. Not just me, not just you. So while you needing to know your identity in Christ is very important, we as a body, it's very important that we understand ourness, usness, we-ness, and, and how important it is to be we and not just me alone. That I, that I need you and you need me and you need each other. And we need some of those other parts of the body of Christ that are way beyond us. As a matter of fact, I thought occurs to me, one of the ways that we um, can even experience the past body of Christ 
is realizing all the foundations and things that they set up for us that now we have knowledge we wouldn't have had if they hadn't done their part. So there is even a tangible way, if you will, that we can recognize the value of the body of Christ that's already gone from the earth. And now we're doing the same for the next generations and the next generations, however there, many there may end up being. But we-ness is very important and we need to place value on us and who Christ is in us. So a second thing that we saw last week then was the second illustration. This guy's going to be shorter. Uh, the second illustration for what it's like to be one in the earth is a husband and wife. And I gave her curls. You know, I, it did occur to me a guy could have curls. <laughs> or, or we'll just give him a, I don't know what that is. <laughs> but anyway, so let's say they grab hands. Now they have very long hands in this illustration. And so we found out that if a man and a woman, the scripture says in, in Ephesians chapter 5 when discussing marriage, that for a man to leave his father and mother and become one flesh with his wife is a mystery. And Paul says, I'm speaking of the profound hidden truth of Christ and the church. So it's not just about man and woman and the earth. That's just an illustration for us of what Christ and the church is supposed to be like. And one way we might consider that is if you take man and woman together, then they would produce baby. And, and so, in other words, new life. When you take man and woman together in oneness, in one flesh, they produce life. And that's what happens when Christ and the church are acting together. We produce, we, it's the church, we, the church with Christ, produce life, produce more Christ life. Could you turn this around for me, please? So those are some of the things we, we learned about, about oneness last week. And then we all uh, took time and we addressed a question. And the question was, as we got into small groups, the question was, identify a reason people might be cut off from the body. And then what might we do about it? And, and, and you all came up with fabulous, fabulous responses. Uh, we, we thought about the thought that people might be separated from the body because of offense, kind of similar to being separated by hurt. And it would require forgiveness, asking forgiveness, giving forgiveness, um, that sort of a thing. We, we found, you know, we realized that judgment and how we judge people. And, and again, just honestly, I mean, we just tend to do that. We just tend to judge where people are coming from. Doesn't make it right, but we tend to do that. And, and so uh, we need to take some time to, uh, let's see, judging each other, judging even ourselves can separate us from people. Uh, so we need to take time for love and to see people how God sees people. Um, sometimes someone chooses disconnection, usually because of some form of fear and their fear, maybe that fear that they're, that they don't belong, they misunderstood, kind of goes with the inclusion, exclusion. So we, we, some of the things we might do is choose to love them. We do need to understand there's boundaries and we can't mush them, we can't overwhelm them as they're working through that fear that they're going through or that choosing disconnection. Um, and continue to recognize and show their value and continue to welcome them. That's one of the things, some of the things we can do. Um, sometimes a person feels disconnected, again, kind of the inclusion, exclusion, so we, we should be outgoing and reach out towards them. But at the same time, people need to take responsibility for themselves and find, their, and find answers and apply them. And, um, and again, inclusion, exclusion, maybe words were spoken to them, or maybe they feel inadequate. Um, and again, we have all those answers. And, and hurt goes with that. I'm skipping this one for just a minute. And praying is part of the solution for all of this. Taking concern to them directly, that goes with this one up here that's circled in red. And then this last one, and it's not about me. And the intent when that group said that, it's not about me, was, so I'm not going to be selfish. I'm not going to be selfish. I'm going to go out beyond myself. That was the intent of that comment. However, and it's a good comment, and it's a worthy comment. I want to give you a second comment about it's not about me. Pastor Barb brought this up this week. She said, you know what? It is about me. It is about me taking my responsibility 
for all of this. So in the sense of it's not about me, I won't be selfish, yes. In the sense it is about me, I will take my part of the responsibility to work through these sorts of things. Now, with all of that said, I really, really, really uh, felt two things. One's not up here. Uh, is that we're, we're encompassed everything. And that's this one. Get up close and personal. Build relationships. You don't really know what's going on until you're close. That encompasses everything here. We all need to take responsibility for how are we going to get up close and personal and find out what's really going on rather than presuming, assuming. Um, we have certain expectations and, and that person didn't meet that expectations, but so we presume or assume it's certain things. But if we got up close and personal, well, we could either find out it really is what we thought or isn't, but we could also try to work through it. And so this one is so big in my mind, it is the act. It is the act of oneness. Is to get up close and personal is the act of oneness. This is the value system. Could you turn this around for me again, please? And so the second thing was that, that Pastor Jeff said from uh, up in the um, sound booth towards the end. And I also think, again, it gets back to everything we just said. That it's also connected. It's just different perspectives of, of the same thing is he talked about, this is why we have small group life. So when you have small group life, this is the place where the potential is you will be recognized. Your, your needs will be understood better because remember, you're getting up close and personal. That's the concept of small group life. You're getting up close and personal so people can understand your needs. They can understand what's going on in your heart and they can reach out to you. And, and hopefully, the concept would be, hopefully, I mean, I know it doesn't work perfectly all the time. We're all human, but hopefully that forgiveness can happen. Your needs are being met. Also, you can be known. You can be understood better. Um, you'll have, a, and then you'll also have a place where you can use your gifts and where you can reach out. In other words, what we're talking about is you find out where you fit. You find out where you fit. In Ephesians chapter 4, and in the King James Version, it talks about God placing us in the body where he decides to place us, and it says, you're fitly joined together. Okay, so I know that's an old way of saying it, but again, my elbow is fitly joined here at my upper arm and my lower arm. It does not fit my foot. It does not fit my knee. Let's take my fingers. My fingers right now, they do a really, you know, they are so successful being at the end of the palm of my hand and at the end of my wrist. They can pick up things. They can do everything they're meant to be. But if we took my fingers off here and put it on my hip, they would no longer be successful because they don't like that image. Thank you very much for laughing. They, it, yes, exactly. They don't fit here, do they? Yes, and trying to reach for things would be a whole lot harder. Pick up things, eat with your fingers, you know, pick up a knife and a fork. All of that would be a whole lot harder if your fingers were down on your hip. They don't, they don't fit there, all right? So here's the concept. We need small group life, and we need to find where we fit. Where do we fit? We don't fit just anywhere. We fit in particular places. And when you find where you fit, that's where you're going to be so wonderfully successful. You're going to be able to do your part in such a successful way. It's going to be exciting to you and exciting to everybody around you. But when your fingers are on your hip, it's not so exciting and it's not so successful. So we're looking, obviously, looking for our fit. And, you know, I'm giving you the bottom line. I realize this isn't always simple. I realize finding a fit isn't, isn't always a simple thing. Generally speaking, the small group life doesn't have to be, here at Genesis, doesn't have to be connect groups. Small group life is just supposed to happen without a program. 
It's just supposed to happen. We're so, we, we invite people out after church. We invite them to our homes. We have coffee with them. We go play games with them. We go to the movies with people. We, whatever it is. And, we, and, and it works from acquaintance where you barely know somebody and you're trying to find out who do you fit with. Who do you fit with? And you move along the line. And sometimes that takes a lot of time. Uh, some, some of my relationships have taken many years to become what they are today. I have had relationships that, man, it just seems like, wow, we just hit it off. But it doesn't always happen that way. And so it is a little bit of work to find our fit and to, and to keep at it. But small group life is what we're aiming for. It's in that small group life we find our fit. It's in that small group life we, have, we get to use our gifts. We get to find how valuable you are. And then, and then people get to know you and you get to know them. So if something's happening above the norm in your life, they know about it. They know you need meals. They know you need a visit at the hospital. They know whatever it is and can act on that. Uh, you know, in, in just regular life, we call that friendship. We just call that friendship. And so we're talking about a group of developing a group of friends. And you know, another word for it is a support system. We have a support system in small group life. You know, we may need specialized support systems if, if for instance, you have a, 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 a big illness like say people with like cancer support systems or diabetes support systems or if you have a loss grief support systems or, or on and on there's different kinds of specialized support systems that maybe that group can only provide a piece of your support because they've never been through it before and you might need a specialized support but in regular life we have we live in small group life and that's what helps us with oneness so that brings me to today I want us to consider that oneness and friendships are not the same as saneness. Oneness is not saneness. Oneness, as we saw in our circle, originates in the heart of God. God, and God the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit are one. This is the nature of oneness is the nature of God. And now we're in him and he's in us. And so oneness is our nature. This is why you and I cry out for love. This is why you and I cry out to find someone who appreciates us and we mutually appreciate them. Because it's in the heart of God and the heart of God is in you. And thus you long, you and I long for that oneness with someone. But oneness is not sameness. So oneness is carried out in our value system. I have a value, to have a value system of oneness, and it's carried out in our attitudes. It's not carried out in sameness. All right, I want us to consider then for the rest of today, oneness in diversity, or oneness even though we're different. And I have a video for you to watch uh, it's Chris Vallotton out of Bethel, uh, and he's dealing with, he starts by dealing with denominations, different denominations in the body, but he has a lot of very rich concepts in this nine-minute video, and it goes by really fast. You may not like a couple of his examples that he uses. I'm just going to say that ahead of time. Nevertheless, his concepts are very, very rich. So I want to take a little bit of time, and we're going to watch this video, and, uh, and then we're going to go from there. My point is, is this. We have to realize that we're moving from denominationalism. How many know denomination, divided nations? We've been called a disciple nations, not divide nations. And I would propose to you that religion divides nations, religious, religion causes wars, but the kingdom stops them. That's Isaiah 2, 1 through 7, if you'd like to read that at some point on your own. Um, but here's where, I, here's where I'm going. We're Protestants, so we gather when we agree, and we divide when we disagree. We, we rally around truth. We gather around truth. But we're moving from denominationalism, and how many know we're talking about the ism now, not the denominational part. We're moving from denominationalism, is like communism, socialism, you know, it's an evil spirit. The ism part. Are you following me at all? Okay, the first service was much more responsive in this part, this area. But probably because you guys are thinking deeper, I'm sure. I'm absolutely positive of that. 
The point is, is that we, we, in Christendom, we gather when we agree, and we divide when we disagree. Now we're moving from that to a family. We're moving to apostleships where people rally around fathers and families and mothers, and we're saying, that's my father, I hear the shepherd's voice in them, I, I, I see that's my family, and therefore, I can disagree and still be covenantly attached. Does that make sense? But let me tell you that this denominational spirit that almost all of us in this room grew up in, in other words, as believers, we got saved into this denominational spirit. And this denominational spirit doesn't just work inside the church. In other words, we don't just divide among other Christians when we disagree. We divide with people who don't know the Lord. And our goal in relationship with people, if I develop a relationship with somebody, my goal is to convince them that I'm right. Because in denominationalism, it's more important to be right than it is to be together. As a matter of fact, denominationalism says, if we're going to be together, then we're going to think the same way. And we've reduced the unity of the Spirit down to the unity of the Word. And call that the unity of the Spirit. Are you flowing with me at all? So let me give you an example. If I have a relationship with a homosexual, um, which is somebody's lifestyle I obviously do not agree with, the goal of my, re my relationship in Christendom has to be that I have an agenda to convert that person. So that that, curse, that person, when they, have, when, they, when they open up, when they have a relationship with me, they feel like they've walked onto the car lot and I am the car salesman and I have an agenda. See, in, in, you understand that my denominational accent causes me to feel like the, that I can only have deep relationships with people that I agree with. And when I, don't have, when I don't agree, then I have two choices. I can either break relationship or I can have an agenda to convert them to my way of thinking, which of course is God's way of thinking. And I want to I, I, say to you that oftentimes what actually happens is, is that I enter into the spirit of manip manipulation because the end justifies the means. And I don't realize that I only have as much influence in people's lives as they have value for me. If I try to influence people, if I try to create influence in people's lives that ex that ex that ex that extends beyond the borders of the value they have for me, then I enter into manipulation. And it's amazing how many people use witchcraft to get people to Christ. And we have this idea that they don't really know we're doing it. Well, I'm going to tell you, the world has figured it out. They figured out that the only reason you're having a relationship with them is so you can get them to pray a prayer or you know, say this line or count them. And so we don't, we don't have, we, do you understand, I'm trying to like tell you what you sound like in the spirit, what we sound like in the spirit. We have an accent. And we sound, we have a certain sound. We have, do you, am I making any sense? We see the world with this accent. We don't know we have it because we haven't been exposed to people who don't. But when we do get exposed to people that we don't, that don't have an accent, don't have our accent at least, we have a problem with them because they think differently than us, so we build a case against them also. We build a case against anybody who doesn't think like us. It's our, it's, it's, it, I can say it this way. It's, in my mind, it's the curse that went with Protestantism. In that we, we glory in all that our fathers, in, our, in our father's inheritance, but our fathers also had some struggles that we've inherited, and we don't even know we think like that. I got a... Um, an email this week, this person had this insight, that President Obama was the Antichrist. No, he was serious. He wasn't joking. He had scripture after scripture. and I, I, I hardly ever answer emails, to be frank, from people I don't know. So, but I, I, just, I just wrote him back one line. I said, I'm thankful it isn't the Pope this time. Because all of us that are around my age realize that we, the, we, when we got saved in the Jesus movement the first few years, we were convinced that the Pope was the Antichrist, and the mark of the beast was on him and coming from the Catholic Church, and then about three years into that chart, 
the Holy Spirit fell on the Catholics and they started speaking in tongues and were like, that can't be the Lord because the Lord only falls on people who have the exact right belief system. And it doesn't occur to us that He loved us while we were sinners and He touched us when we didn't know anything. So we have this idea like for God to touch us, we have to have it all together. And then when God does touch us, it validates that we're right. I don't know if you even heard that. See, that's the struggle. See, if God does miracles through me, then in, in our perspective, we're like, well, see, I, my doctrine must be right because God's using me. And you don't realize that God uses people in spite of themselves. But here's the real deal. You know, I, I need to probably make this clear, especially for people who are listening by webcast and who wouldn't know me. Like, first of all, I, I don't agree with many of President Obama's social uh, agendas or his core values as I know them. Now, I have, to, I have to understand that the people... See, I've never met President Obama. Actually, the only way I would know him if I ever saw him is that I've seen him on TV. So, so I've never met the man, and the people who are feeding me the information about what he thinks and believes in his core values are people who, 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 who are, are the media, who I completely trust, because I know they would never at all exaggerate or lie to me. So, okay, all that said, the way I understand President, some of President Obama's core values and the way I understand some of his social ideas, which are being fed to me by someone I don't trust, if those are accurate, I disagree with many of his social uh, ideas and, and, and seemingly many of his core values. That being said, I don't have permission to judge somebody's heart. Paul said, who are you to judge the servant of another? See, I can disagree with his agendas, I can disagree with his core values as I understand them, but I cannot make a judgment about somebody's heart. Do you understand when I say President Obama or anyone else is the Antichrist, that I just damn someone to hell? And that, that someone is some, that's somebody's son. It's somebody's father, it's somebody's husband, it's somebody's wife, it's somebody's cousin, it's somebody's uncle. That person is a, is a person. It's not an inabitant object that, that you can just decide that they need to be damned because they believe in whatever it is that you disagree with. But in, in, in denominationalism, we have to demonize people that we don't agree with because that's the way we were taught. It's not just that I disagree with their, their opinion, it's that I disagree with their personhood. And it's just what happens when people decide that you can't like somebody, and so we have to scrutinize what they do wrong, and if they do anything right, then it's in the wrong priority, the wrong day, they shouldn't have done it, and the list goes on and on. And I'm like, just get a life. Get a life. You got a real complaint? Then fine, stand up and say, I don't like the way we're doing this. I don't, I don't think that's going to work. Hey, I think that those are babies. Okay, make a point, okay? But don't demonize people for the sake of your point. Because as soon as you do, God has to get on their side and protect them from you. I think he said, love your enemies, pray for people who persecute you. <laughs> if you want to know uh, what that is, you can ask me later, email me, whatever, and I'll send you so you can look it up. It is a YouTube video uh, excerpt from uh, one of his messages. So, so powerful, um, so powerful for all these things for us to consider about what do we do with the fact that God wants oneness and yet we're different, and yet we're different. So let's look at some scriptures on this. We're gonna start in Ephesians chapter four, New Living Translation. We're gonna look at some scriptures that um, deal with, well, what is how can, how can we have a value system and put value on oneness and act in oneness in spite of the fact that we're different? So Ephesians chapter one, well, I'm sorry, chapter four. Ephesians chapter four, we're going to start reading in verse one in the New Living Translation. And it starts, the, and, and here's what it says. Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Let's take note of those words, humble and gentle. Be patient 
Let's take note of that. As a matter of fact, all of you set, used that word the first Sunday we met and talked about God wants a body. Be patient. Let's take note of that word, patient. Be patient with each other. Making allowance for each other's faults. This is even their faults, not even just their differences. Because of your love. Make allowance for it. Wow. Make every effort. Every, boy, this is just packed. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit. Binding yourselves together with peace. The word peace actually even means to be at one with. So we're to bind ourselves together being at one with. For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. Whoa. That really gets very, very big beyond Protestantism and differences even with people in the world. Wow. So, you know, I love that point he made. We're trying to make uh, oneness in the word rather than oneness in the spirit. The only way we can possibly be one is that it's not, it's not about believing everything exactly alike. We have, it's about oneness in the spirit. So, another way of thinking about this, by the way, is it's not about being right. I think I'm going to write that on the board. And we'll put it right up here. I've got to erase this in a minute, but it's not about... being right. And I want you to know, this is what we've made it to be for years and years and years. We've made it about being right. But it's not about being right. We're going to see what it's about in a minute. Part of what it's about is being one. You know, one of the ways we can be one with the whole body of Christ, here's a plug, is we can sign up for prayer that's coming up this weekend. That's what this is about. This prayer time, this 24-7 prayer that we've joined in. We, the leadership made the decision we as a church would join in. And now we're asking you as individuals to join in as one and take a half an hour, an hour to pray. Why? It's a way. It's one small way we can be one with a greater portion of the body of Christ and be that army united that Stephanie talked about going forward in prayer for the state of Colorado. You know, I'll be truthful with you. For those of you who have read the materials they gave us, I don't agree with everything that's said in those materials. That's just the reality. But it's not about agreeing about every single little thing. It's about the spirit of oneness and joining together in the heart and soul of why we would do such a thing. Why would we pray with other believers throughout Colorado? Why would we do that? Because we want to be that army. We want to be that army that makes a difference, not because we're always right about every little thing or even that we pray perfectly. It's not about even praying perfectly. It's about taking a step of oneness and unity and allowing God a space to move through our prayers. But you have to participate. We're getting ready, by the way. We just found out about this the other day. We really don't even have all the information of it. But this same group of, of uh, ministries who are working towards oneness in the Colorado area are doing a, a, a 10 days of prayer between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. So it's between September 20th and September 30th this year. And we're going to host a night here. What each, a church is hosting every night uh, somewhere in the Colorado area of prayer during what they're calling 10 days of awe, A-W-E, 10 days of awe. I don't even have all their heart behind it. We're going to another meeting to find that out. But we have agreed on September 24th to host an evening here. To, it's, it's a step. It's a way that we can hook up as one in the spirit of oneness, not in the spirit of we agree with everything all these other churches are exactly teaching. The one thing we have in common, Jesus. That's all we need. 
Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, so let's move on to the next set of scriptures, and then we're going to tie a couple of these scriptures together. Romans chapter 12, and verse, starting in verse 9. This whole chapter is about walking as the body of Christ. And starting in verse 9, man, this is, this is powerful stuff. And what I'm about to read to you, really, you could take each sentence and teach a whole sermon just on that sentence. But I'm not going to do that. <laughs> and so, you know, just try to grasp as we read each sentence how this applies to you. Maybe the Lord's going to point out, you know, here's one of the ones right now you could do this week or this month. Or, or you could begin to apply yourself to more. Uh, and and, and w w these are all, all things that, that, that work in with an attitude and a value system of oneness. Okay. Romans 12, starting in verse 9, New Living. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Now that's actions, not people, okay? Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Note that word, honoring. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident home. Be patient in trouble. There's that word patient. By the way, you don't need patience when everything's going just the way you want it. You need patience when things aren't going the way you want it. Be patient in trouble. And keep on praying. You all said that in our, in our message last week. Keep, much of this are things you said over the last two weeks, by the way. Keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Now, look at this. This isn't just the good times. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray. Don't curse them. Instead, what are you going to do? You're going to pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony. There's that peace, that oneness again. Live in harmony with each other. You know, you can have harmony in an orchestra, right? But everybody's playing a different instrument. But you have harmony. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. In other words, we could say don't be too proud to enjoy the company of people who aren't like you. I, I kind of think that's in there. And don't think you know it all. Remember? It's not about being right. It's about humility. Don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. That last verse there, do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. You know, you may not be able to live at peace with everyone. Perhaps the other people can't live in peace with you. But you do all that you can to live at peace with everyone. 1 Peter 2.17 in the Amplified. Let's look at that. And we're going to come back again to some of these words that I've said let's underline. 1 Peter 2.17 in the Amplified says, Show respect for all people. Everybody say all. all. Does that leave anybody out? Does that leave out the chiefest of sinners? Whatever you think is the chiefest of sin, show respect for all people. Treat them honorably. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. Honor the king. Okay. Some of the commonalities here that we need to pay attention to and consider have to do with honoring people. And I'm going to say be humble. Because when you think of honoring someone, that has to do with lifting them higher lifting them higher even than yourselves. Humility has to do with lowering yourself. So they go hand in hand. When I'm humble, I can lift you up. And so we want to honor all people and find a way to honor them. Find a way to, you know, the, the first place you can honor them is the fact that God loves them. So even if it were a murderer, God loves that murderer. You can find a place of honor. They, that murderer was made in God's image. God wants that person forever and ever to be with him. We can honor every human being because 
we all fall, have fall, apart from Christ, we all fall short. And therefore, if another person falls short, I can recognize, it's, it's, it's I can do unto others as I would have you do unto me. That's what that is. So if I fall short, how do I want you to treat me when I fall short? I can treat, I can honor, I can humble myself and honor someone else by that. Then, of course, there was, uh, I know there was patience, but I was thinking, oh, honor, humility. This isn't, this, if you, that Romans 12 scriptures, I'm wrapping it kind of all up in this word. Servanthood. So I can serve people. Honor, humble, I can be a servant. This should be my attitude. My attitude should not be I'm right. Now, I, you know, I kind of like that attitude. I tend, to, I tend to go there, but it doesn't make it right that I go there. So I'm trying not to go there. I'm trying to go here. Will you go with me? Okay, so honor, be humble, servanthood. And then, of course, I loved, you know, we saw that it said to pray. And, you know, praying has several, a, a number of facets to it. But the, probably the primary facet that we need to look at is I want to draw close to the heart of God. I want to draw close to the God of love so that he can uncover in me that same love. That's what I want to do when I pray. So I may pray blessings upon the other people. I, I may ask questions in prayer. I, I may do many, many things. But one of the most important things, especially in relationship to this, is I want to draw closer to God. Because as I draw closer, he, he's right here. As I draw closer, my, my fleshly ways start to dissipate and, and fall away. And, and I find out that there's love on the inside of me that I can give it away. That there's care, that there's believing in you. There's seeing the best in you. There's, instead of, First Corinthians 13, love is not rude. Instead of being rude to you, which I, I, I maybe have done to everybody in this room at some time or another, and I'm sorry, it's not who I want to be. That flesh gets in the way. And so we, we're looking for that God in us, the God, God himself in us, as we connect more and more with him, more of my flesh can, can kind of just fade away in that, in that godness of love and care and, and oneness can, can come forward. And then, and then it also affects, and we read this word and talked about this word because patience is in there. We, as we're patient, you know, as we're patient with people, as we're patient with process, you know, one of the things they didn't tell all of us when we got married, if you've been married, is that part of, part of marriage is I need to be patient with his journey and his process, and he needs to be patient with mine. So, yeah, he may have it really all together in this area, and I don't, and that tends to become the focus, right? Or I have it all together in some area, and he doesn't, and that becomes our focus, when really what it is is I need to be patient with his process, I need to be patient as he processes through life and grows and matures and discovers more and more of God. And he needs to do that for me. And then we need to do that, need to do that for each other. You know, again, I, I just have to be truthful. I, I'm not trying to say all this is easy. I'm just declaring truth. So we talked about we're all one in God. And I want to look at that one more time. Because I illustrated it, I illustrated our oneness in God as a circle, but I had a little revelation. Our oneness in God, the realm of God, I put a circle to represent the realm of God, but I believe this is the realm of God. This is what represents the realm of God. God is love. And we've talked about that before. It's not just that God loves us. He is love. He has no other way of being but love. And so, if Jeff is one with God, if Rick is one with God, if Kathy is one with God, uh, uh, if Karen is one with God, if Doug and Diane, we have a D plus one again, if Doug and Diane are one with God, you are, I am, one with love. Love and oneness go hand in hand. Again, as I said, we were, folks, I want you to get this. 
as much as you can. This is, whoops, our purpose. You're looking for your purpose in life. This is it. You were created for love, period. God wanted you because he wanted someone to love. Because love is not love if you can't share it. And, he, and, and again, since that's what you and I were created for, and since he lives in us, we have this aching desire that is never quenched because it's a daily event. It's, a, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's an ongoing reaffirmation of love. It, we ache for love because we were created for love. You're not mistaken. You, you shouldn't be saying, no, I don't need to be loved. It's okay, I'll make it on my own. No, you won't. We need each other. And we ache to know and be known. I want somebody to know me and appreciate me and listen to me and think that my ideas are good and enjoy my presence and want to hang out with me. And so do you. And that's that oneness. We were created for oneness. Love and oneness go hand in hand. You cannot have love apart from oneness. Love by its very nature requires someone else. It very, by its very nature requires someone else. This is our eternal purpose is oneness. You might have a purpose in this earth to be a teacher. You, you might have a, a purpose in this earth to be a preacher. You might have a purpose in this earth to do technical things. You might have a purpose in this earth. I don't know. There's so many varieties right here in this room of what your individual in this earth purpose is. But you know, you may leave a legacy. Glory to God, that's what we should do is leave a legacy. That's valuable. But you're leaving it all behind. You're leaving the house behind. You're leaving the car behind. You're leaving all those clothes you had to have behind. <laughs> if you're an architect, you're leaving that building you built behind. You're leaving it all behind. What are you taking with you? This is our eternal purpose, is love and oneness together. You know, thus the two greatest commandments, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. You know, I think Jesus, this is just the thought, I think Jesus had to give it in the way of commandments because that's what he was asked. What are the greatest commandments? And I think he had to say those two things in the way of a command, but really they're not meant to be commanded. It's who we are. It is already who we are. We're already built on the inside to love God with all our heart and all our soul. And when we're not loving God with all our heart, all our soul, we're missing something. And we feel it. We feel like we're missing something. And we go looking for it but through entertainment. Or we go looking for it through a, a better job. Or we go looking for it here, there, or everywhere. And if we can't find it, then maybe we turn to drugs to try to satisfy us. Or we turn to alcohol to try to satisfy us. Or, or whatever it may be. When really... All the while, it's this longing to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. That's what you and I are looking for all the time. Now, we might get our fix and go on our way, and then we think we don't need anymore. No, we need our fix this morning, tonight, tomorrow, tomorrow night, the next day, the next. I, I need my fix always. Because it's, 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 it's a living, love is a living relationship. It's not a one-time revelation. It's a, living, it's a living relationship. Thus, we get back to small group life. <laughs> small group life, by the way, could even be family. It could, you know, you could have small group life at work. There are different kinds of relationships, but, but and some of you may really bring home great relationships from work. Uh, others of us, though, they're, they're, the similarities, the oneness at work is because you have a, a joint connection at work, something like that. You know, if this is our purpose, if God is love, I think we could even say that this is God's heartbeat. This is God's heartbeat. heartbeat when your heart is beating, it's what keeps you alive, right? If your heart quits beating, you're not alive anymore. You could say this is what life's all about. Would you do this with me? Would you put your hand over your heart? 
Now see if you can, I, I, I've been moving, I've been, I've been getting excited so I can feel my heart beating. I don't know if you can feel your heart beating. See if you can feel your heart beating. Are you alive? <laughs> Those two, they can't feel their hearts. That's because you're such at rest. That's a good thing. Well, let's pretend you feel your heart beating. If you don't, you know it's beating because you're sitting there. <laughs> I'd like to think today that, mate, just close your eyes and focus in on your heart and your heartbeat if you can feel it. I'd like to think that because we're one with God that what we're feeling is the heartbeat of God. I mean, you can't live without it. And, and in, our, in our society, in our world, that shape of a heart always represents love. It's on all the emoticons and emojis these days. A heart represents love. Father God, we come to you right now. I know that everyone here already possesses your heart. Father, we just need to get in touch with it more and more and on a regular basis. We need to recognize the value and importance of you wanting a body, you wanting oneness, and you wanting love to permeate the, the earth. And we can be a part of that. Father, how to make this practical takes on so many forms. And for each one, we're all on our own journeys. And so for each one of us, it might mean something just yet a little different this week, next week. But what we're doing right now today, Father, I, I pray you'll do this with me, everyone, is that I, I open my heart in a new way to you today, Lord. I want my heart to beat like your heart. want my love to be your love. want my humility to be your humility, my patience to be your patience, my servanthood to be your servanthood. Thank you for loving me this way, Lord. Thank you for honoring me, serving me, caring about me. And help me, Lord, now to take you into the world this way. And everybody that agreed in Jesus' name says, Amen.